All right, I wanna introduce these two amazing. First, this one right here, I'm married to. She's my amazing wife. We will have... She's the, uh, she's the smarter one of the duo. Um, she keeps us from uh, all things bad, and uh, I get us into all the bad situations. And, uh, and so anyway, she, uh, she's absolutely incredible. We've been married. We'll be married in January 18 years. So we're super pumped about that. Three kids, and uh, we're loving life and having a Some lot of fun. Some of you are like, no, you're only 30. Did you get married at 12? <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, trick. And then this amazing woman over here is on our staff. Her name's Lauren Snyder. And she is our executive director of Redemption House. And she is a brilliant, brilliant person. She's an amazing soccer player. Uh, she's married to this man right over here. It is his first, is it, no, not your first Father's Day, second Father's Day, and uh, second Father's Day, Mike Snyder, he's actually our uh, director of business and finance here at The Well as well, and so, um, so that's kind of who goes together, but I've got Lauren up here to moderate today. I'm going to kick it over to, to her, um, and she's a brilliant mind. She is one of my favorite people when it comes to asking questions. She asks the best questions on the planet, and uh, I'm setting her up right now, but uh, we're going to get into a lot of things today, so I'm going to let her just take it from here, and we're going to actually sit back and be led in this moment. Well, good morning, everyone. How y'all doing today? Perfect. So uh, our pastors are brave, and they are answering questions that came in on social media over the last couple weeks. And then we're also going to be taking live questions during the service today. So as things come up or uh, things are answered, I've got an iPad right here. There's going to be a number on the screen that you can text. And um, if it's a new question, we'll try and fit it in somewhere. We've broken this up basically into, I would say, seasonal realities of relationships. Um, so there were some similar questions, some different questions, and we're gonna just go through all of those. Um, if for some reason your specific question wasn't answered today, uh, they are normal people. And so they would love to have a conversation with you about that at some other point in time. Um, we also have a phenomenal staff of pastors who can dig into these same questions and they actually appreciate the normal conversation and being asked the hard questions and wrestling through that with you. Um, so I think I just wanna set the tone a little bit for you guys. I've known you for quite some time now. Um, I think it's incredible you're leading by example, not just by saying. They've been married for close to 20 years. That takes a lot of work. So amazing for you guys. Yes, it does. Um, but... You have had different seasons, right? So you have been single. You too have a very long history of dating. Um, you didn't grow up necessarily in the white picket fence families. Um, so they've got a diverse background. So when they're gonna be talking through these topics today, um, they've experienced divorce in life. They've had parents who got married young. They've experienced very the death um, of a loved one in their family. And so they're speaking from not only um, the place of a pastor, but also from lived experience. So um, please be sending in your questions as we go and we'll just jump right in here, okay? Let's go. So the first kind of relational season that we're gonna be talking about is marriage. So the first question is, best advice for an engaged couple launching into their first year of marriage. What are ways that they can connect and continue to love each other well in the midst um, of this time? Do you wanna go first? 
ladies first. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I think a few things uh, if you're launching into your first year of marriage, we, ch- we always say this in pre- pre-marriage counseling. So if you didn't do pre-marriage counseling, it's not too late. You can still go to like pre-marriage counseling post-marriage. Uh, we highly recommend it. We actually have a group that's running right now. I think it just started or it starts in July. So highly recommend that if you have not done that. But um, I would say there's a few things that are important starting out your first year of marriage. And one is to not bring in expectations that have been built up from your past yeah. or from your history. Okay, so that's really important because we all have, um, we have pictures of some health and we have some pictures of really bad, unhealthy relationships. And so it can be really hard to not bring expectations of like, well, my spouse is gonna fix all of my wounds and make my life better. Actually, they're just gonna like probably make it more complicated and then accidentally, <laughs> cut open your wounds again, (laughs) you know? Like not on purpose, but that that will happen. So it's best if we lay down our expectations. It doesn't mean that we don't like communicate like, hey, I would really appreciate if you would take the trash out and that would just be your responsibility. But you create that expectation as a couple. You create that expectation as a family. So I would just encourage, lay down expectations from previous relationships, uh, previous, even, even, even sexually. Lay down all expectations and start fresh with each other. Of like, what do we want our family to look like? And make those expectations together rather than separately. Do you want yeah. to add the next? Yeah, I want to add this part. Um, uh, institute the things that you, uh, the things that you should be doing right now, early on in it. So like things like Sabbath and dating each other, church, like being at church, so on and so forth. If you do that at the beginning, it makes it a whole lot easier to keep it in there versus like trying to like, you know, live your first couple years of marriage and then all of a sudden you're trying to then institute these things after a, a long time of not having certain habits involved. Sabbath is one of the best things that we've done for our marriage now, almost 18 years in. And so we highly, highly, highly encourage it. As well, I did want to say this, is is, uh, keep, like, keep dating each other. Come on, somebody, keep dating each other, okay? Here's what I wanted to say. I'm fascinated with the idea that many couples stop doing the things that drew them together in the first place. Isn't that weird? Like, so we dated and we pursued each other, and then all of a sudden married couples, like, after this, like, long, like, romance to get married, and then it's like, oh, I won, no more. Like, don't do that. That Like, date each other, woo each other, be romantic with each other, touch each other, like all the, all the things. Uh, and, and I wanna encourage you, don't stop what got you to the point that you're at now with getting married. Keep those things in play because they're really, really important. Amen? Yep, amen. All right, go Love for that. it. Um, so this one, what advice do you have for a young married couple going into ministry together? I mean, I'd certainly go back to the expectation thing. You have to now reevaluate your expectations because things are, con- like when you go into ministry or you go, let's just even say you change jobs. So it doesn't have to just be ministry, like staff or something like that, um, but, or mission field or something. But even if you have a dynamic shift in your schedule or something that s- seems to take more weight than it used to, you need to reevaluate your expectations of each other and you need to communicate a ton. I like practical things I would recommend this for every family is share your schedules, share your calendars and don't like just assume you can have a guys night. Ask your wife, "Hey, how do you feel about me having a guys night? Does this work with our schedule?" 
Does it fit? Okay, yeah, that fits, but that means Tuesday night's date night because that's usually on Friday night. You know, like make sure you communicate instead of just assuming. And that's the worst thing I think we can do as single people coming into a marriage is we just keep living our life as single people. (laughs) And then we're like selfishly living our life as single people in a marriage and wondering why our marriages are falling apart. So that applies for all areas, including ministry. Like, just communicate, share your schedule, sit down. Don't make plans without talking to each other. Talk. That's so great. And then uh, I would also say, if you could do anything else besides ministry, do that. (laughs) Do not walk in lightly. Like, um, I'm actually being serious. Um, It it is funny, but it's so true. Um, Like... I would say every every field, every vocation, has its has its uh, implications upon marriage for sure. Um, but a lot of people that are going into ministry don't realize, especially when, and we'll talk a little bit about this next week, vocationally within within uh, the church, the four walls of the church, there is a different type of pressure. There's a very different type of reality. There's certain expectations that go along with that. And a lot of, co- a lot of couples that go into ministry don't realize that. So then they get in and they're like, oh my goodness, what is going on? So we say to a lot of couples, like this will prove it. If you could do anything else, then don't do ministry. But, but don't disobey God. That's exactly. what he means by that, if you can. In other words, if he allows you to do anything else. Right. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't do anything else. Like, I, like this, is, this is who I am. It's who God's created me to be. It's who God's created us to be. It's who God's created her to be. And so, therefore, we're able to wrestle with and hold the tension that comes because of ministry. And you can ask any one of our staff members. Um, there is a real thing with that. So um, that would be my answer to that. Someone asked me how you don't quit ministry the other day, and I said... I literally, it's only because God has not given me permission. Like there are times where it's like, God has not given me permission, but man, today, today would be the day where I move to the backwoods of Idaho and live in peace and silence. (laughs) Obedience is definitely never easy. 100%. All right, so what is your best advice for married couples who don't exactly know how to be married to each other? And um, secondly, it's often said in messages that marriage is so much more than emotions or good actions. So what would you say fills in the blank as more than it is alluded to? So my, my first answer to this one would be, why did you marry each other in the first place? Okay, sometimes we've gotta go back to the, to the why and it makes it clear again um, when things are, are tough. Um, here's, here's the thing about marriage is that no one knows how to be married to each other. This, this side agrees with me. Let's, let's try over here. They're like, actually, we're pros. We're, we're pros. pros over here. No <laughs> one knows how to be married to each other, right? We, we didn't take that class in school. Um, the, the Lord of heaven does not download it into you. Um, you wake up next to each other after you get married. The next day you're like, what do we do, right? Like... <laughs> Um, ma- marriage is hard. What we live in is we live in the we live in the culture of romance, where all of us have been fed lies <laughs> by by the movies. If you've watched one too many Hallmark movies, and that has taught us as to what the, uh, this idealistic reality of marriage, and then you get into marriage, and you're like, nothing about this is idealistic. Yeah. Like she annoys me, <laughs> I annoy her. Things don't make sense. Like there's all kinds of different things. Like, the, like so often, so this is why we fall prey to the trap of compatibility. Y'all with me? So then we spend all of our life, this is the fallacy in it, we spend all of our life looking for the compatible person 
which you will not find because the only compatible person that would be completely compatible is a spitting image of you and you don't want to be married to you. Right? So stop looking for compatibility. This is where grace comes in. This is where the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control comes into play. Those are actually the things that make the marriage work, not compatibility. Trust me, I don't want to be married to me. I would divorce me, okay? But she has a God-authored grace given to her in order to be married to me. The compatibility doesn't come by natural features. It comes by supernatural features. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, in Ephesians, you can look this up later, but 5, 22 through 23, it talks about mutual submission and sacrificial Submission. Sacri- I mean, submission is sacrificial. Let's just be honest. But sacrificial love. So there's this reality that um, those not emotions or good actions are so often like it is literally dying to ourself. It's biblical. Like Ephesians goes into husbands, you literally are going to treat your wives as if you were going to die for them. Yep. As, as I died for you and my body. And so... Like that is the reality is like we're literally dying to ourselves daily. So we're practicing in marriage and in singleness. If we're, if we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that later. But when we're honoring God with our bodies, we're, we're practicing submission either to our, each other and God or to God as a single person. So it's not something you shouldn't be really familiar and comfortable with. The thing is, is that we live in a self world where everything is about us and how we feel and what we want. So we live based on that reality. And when you get into marriage, you just simply can't do that and be successful. Your spouse is not a vending machine. And that's how many of us, thank you, Tabby. Or a genie um, in the bottle, baby. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so that's, uh, that's how a lot of us treat um, our spouses, though, is like they're a vending machine where we can just like, if we do certain things, then I get certain things out of it. That, that's, not, that's not what they are. You guys are your helpmates, mutual submission at the end of the day. So this is a supernatural reality that we have to be engaging in and be thinking about. So hopefully that'll help you out today. So if you got anything out of this message, your spouse is not a vending machine, okay? <laughs> Hashtag it. Um, Go for it. <laughs> All right, this one's a little bit more personal to you guys, and then we'll, we'll close up the married section and move on, because I know y'all are really looking forward to the sex section, right? <laughs> yes. Um, all right, so <laughs> what's the biggest conflict you have overcome as a couple? We've never had conflict. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, I wrote this down. Our lack of submission. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Our pride. The difference in our personalities. Um, And I talked a little bit about that with uh, with the compatibility issue. But Erica and I are actually very different personalities. And so uh, if you've ever taken the Enneagram before, uh, we're both eights on the Enneagram. Um, For what it's worth, I know y'all feel different ways about the Enneagram. Um, The person who did our testing, after they did our testing at first, the first question they asked is how we're still married. And um, because both of our personalities are strong, they're fiery, they're explosive. Um, Here's the one thing that that will never happen in our house though. Uh, we say this all, everything is very clear in our home. There's, no, there's nothing that has been put underneath the rug. So we're good at doing that thing. But the biggest, like the most combustible aspect of our, of our marriage, even like even now 
is our personalities. Our personalities can, can go against each other. They grade against each other at times. And that's where mutual submission comes into play is learning how to navigate the waters of our personalities and our peculiarities, right? What once was cute is no longer cute. Like, it's not cute anymore, so. So let's stay here for just a second. So as you've navigated your personalities, which can ultimately um, dive into the conflict, how do you feel like you've defined fighting fair in your relationship? Fighting fair. <laughs> First we fight unfair, and then we fight fair. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're both always right, so it's really difficult to fight fair when you're both always right. Um, we know that I'm just always right, but... <laughs> I just, I just think that. That's the problem. Why we get into our arguments. Um, but I think fighting fair is really unique to the couple because, like, we don't get on ourselves for how we do get into, like, combustible moments. Our fairness comes from the fact that we both come back to that place with complete, like, sorrow and ready to forgive each other, if that makes sense, with repentance, so, you know, some people are like, I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says you can't yell at each other. Let's just talk about that, right? I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying go ahead and give yourself permission. I'm just saying that, like, the reality is, is our fairness sometimes, like, people think we're in fights sometimes, but we're not. We just talk really, like, like passionately. And sometimes it's not even loud. It's just passionate. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I don't feel unfair. I actually feel like you're fighting with me fairly when you can come at me with the same passion as I have towards the conversation that we're both, like, in this together. I feel, like, really frustrated if he was just to lay over, roll over and, like, not engage the conversation that needs to be worked out. So I think there's, like, what fairness is is different for all of us, right? And now, can I, if can I, I say things in anger or I sin in my passion, then I'm wrong. And that's where I think then we, we always come back. If we fight in front of the kids, which we do, we don't have this rule of like, don't argue in front of the kids. We go back in front of the kids and we apologize and we kiss and we hug even though they don't like that. We do that. We do that because we fought in front of them and they, they are worried now. So we bring it back around with healthy like, hey, you can have tension and still have health in your relationship. You can have tension and still like plead for forgiveness and ask for forgiveness and forgive each other. And that's the beauty of it is like they get to see a whole fair reality, not just a partial reality of what's actually true in the tension of our like conversations. You know? Yeah, one of the greatest issues we're seeing in young couples is they don't know how to do conflict. And so, to Erica's point, like, obviously, we don't go around yelling at each other. They're, they're strong conversations. You've got to figure out the line where it's like, no, I've crossed over the line. My yelling is now out of anger. And yelling is probably not the best word. But, like, if you were just to sit and watch a conversation with us, um, and our staff's actually been able to see that when we're contending with each other, we don't hold back. Because actually, an unfair, an unfair space in our relationship is somebody being passive. Does that make sense? But that's why it's unique. You can't be like, because we're, we're di very different personalities at the end of the day. So if I go passive all of a sudden and go like dark and brooding and like just, and kind of go, oh, no, no, you're good. You're, you're right. She, I'm not being fair. That's actually manipulation in our relationship. 
Do y'all see what I'm talking about? So she'll automatically, red flags go up if, if I just like passively back out all of a sudden, she'd be like, whoa, whoa, where did Jason go? That's, this isn't fair. You're manipulating because you're doing something very different than who you are. So when it comes to the communication of the marriage and dealing with conflict, you've got to figure out who you are and then you have to engage in that. However, don't use who you are as an excuse to do stupid, sinful things in the marriage, right? So that's like, that, that, that's a really big deal. And it's like, well, you're yelling at me now. You're, you're crazy. Like, well, if, if you're angry and everything is being driven through anger, then you could potentially realize that you are in breach of that sinful line. Does that make sense? And so don't see that as some sort of permission that's being granted to you. When, when we talk, we know where we're at. And then there'll be moments where we go, no, that, that's a different area. We've stepped into something new. Conversation needs to stop. We are no longer engaged productively. We are now just speaking out of anger. And that's a fair side too. It's like, walk, learn to walk away. Like there's moments where it's like, I'm just gonna go sit in my room for a little while, you know, and take a break and give each other permission for that as well. But yeah, our example is probably difficult because some of you are like, I, I, I feel like somebody's, I feel like you're yelling at me right now, like how I'm currently talking. So you have to figure out like your relationship and how to honor each other, not to be, silence is not, not an, a solution, just so you know. Not talking about things is not a solution. Yep. Uh, that is a, a huge problem, which will show up. Don't worry, it will come. Uh, so you just gotta like be able to talk to each other like how what works for you but as two eights if you don't honor me with the fight frankly like you're not honoring me <laughs> you're acting like I'm stupid or something if you don't engage this with me like it sharpens me to talk things out and like argue through them and debate a little bit it sharpens me and gets my even gets my conviction stronger about the thing I'm struggling through so I would say like, if we are in a situation where you can't like work things out without it billowing up on you and you ending up in like a place of like silence and I'm not talking to you anymore about that, that's unhealthy and unfair, so. All right, so we're gonna shift gears a little bit and ask some questions relating to um, being widowed or divorced. Um, So do you think it's possible to remarry as a single parent? How do you go about dating again after divorce? And as a young widow, how do I find a new relationship? So divorce is a big topic. um, And we're going to try to white paper some of this stuff um, and get it out there so people can read things, so y'all can read kind of like deeper realities of this issue. So this is like 30,000 foot view. I want to say a few things. Uh, Do you think it's possible to remarry um, as a single parent? How do you go about dating again after divorce? So I would say yes. However, there'd be an asterisk next to this answer. And I would follow up with this question, what is the reason for the divorce? And nobody, not very many people ask this question. We talk about divorce and then forgiveness and grace and all these different things. But um, we received a lot of questions about this issue and how do we go about dating and marrying and after divorce. And depending on the answer to that question, it changes my thoughts, okay? So here's the first one. If you are a single parent or you are divorced out of convenience, Okay, this is where the room's, it's gonna get challenging all of a sudden. If you are divorced out of convenience simply because you wanted to, then I would suggest a very different route than if you are divorced because of a traumatic reality or you had no control over the situation and or your spouse died. And the reason that I do that is because motive matters. 
Motive matters. So if we're jumping from one relationship to another, we, we get married, we divorce, we get married, we divorce, we get married. We, you all see what I'm talking about? Is that the motive and the heart behind it is very different than divorce being a set of circumstances that were either traumatic in nature, abuse, et cetera, et cetera. You had no control of the situation. We deal with a lot of people in church who like they want their marriage to work and she or he will not make it work. Y'all see what I'm talking about? So that's very different than the people who are just like, hey, we're no longer vibing, it's no longer a thing, like it's just not fun anymore, so move on. So the reason that I say that is because if, if that's you, I would stop the whole relationship thing as a whole because you need to work on stuff that's in you. You gotta work on where you're at. You gotta work on your relationship with God before anything at the end of the day. And if you're the latter, where the divorce is because of something that's taken place that was traumatic or you had no option in it, first and foremost, I would say, you gotta work on your relationship with God for sure. Counseling and therapy is a major part of that reality. And then you can enter the waters of relational, like of dating, et cetera, et cetera, once you are in a stronger place than you are right now, currently in this moment in this situation. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah. Is there grace for all of it? Yes, 100%. Does Jesus forgive us? Yes, 100%. Is divorce the unpardonable sin? No, it's not. So shame off of you. Take the shame off of you, okay? But we still have to deal with motive. Motive matters. And in a few of these other answers, you're gonna hear that again. Motive matters. Motive matters. The How you enter into, well, actually, how you exit a relationship will be how you enter into a relationship as well if you don't deal with what needs to be dealt with. Yeah, I would say, uh, like, we have to search our hearts in all things, right? Repentance is a word we need to get comfortable with. Like, we need to be okay with, like, God, search my heart, Make me new. Show me any wrong way in me. Like, we need to be comfortable with that. I work on that daily. Like, I'm like, God, today show me the wrong way. Oh, pride, there you were again. Oh, anger, there you are again. Like, we have to be comfortable with repentance because when we go to people or even, even to God, maybe you can't go back to that relationship and repent. Maybe you can. Maybe you can go back and repent and say, hey, I was wrong. Like, please forgive me. It doesn't mean you're trying to get back together. It just means it's necessary to move on in a healthy way yeah. to first acknowledge where we've sinned. To first acknowledge, and we're gonna talk about that in sexuality too, in pre-marriage sex, is like the reality is we have to realize that we are sinful people by nature. And so likely there's something that we can repent of in almost every single relationship we're involved in, right? So I would encourage to uh, assess that. Uh, also, if you're ready to date again, a few quick things, because we really have a lot to cover here, is yep. assess where things went wrong the first time. Get a biblical framework for singleness. So this is to all the singles. It doesn't matter if you're divorced or just haven't been married and you're single. Get a biblical framework for singleness. Biblical. And biblical, not the world's. They're very, very different, very different. And you're gonna keep hearing us talk about a biblical worldview yep. because that is very, many of us in this room don't have a biblical worldview. We have a mixed bag of worldviews put together and we call it a biblical worldview and that's false. So anyway, we won't get into all that. Um, biblical worldview and become content in your season. 
Stop looking. Just let God do what he's gonna do. Like, keep working on you. Keep focusing on God. Honor Jesus first. And it's like, that's, that's in Matthew 6, right? Honor God, the kingdom of God above everything, and all these other things will be added to you. So if you're chasing Jesus first, it'll happen when God desires and when God designs, okay? Let's go. And then the third thing is, as you're led to date, do so with healthy boundaries and in a God-honoring way, in the same way we would encourage every single person to do, okay? Yep. And then do not date someone who isn't running the same God race as you. And I'm being specific. I'm not saying, I am literally saying that doesn't mean you're gonna, you might meet somebody who's a Christian. That does not mean they are running the same God race as you. So don't date them. Stop wasting your time on people that are not going to take you where God wants to take you. Which is why if you're content in your singleness, the person's gonna come alongside of you because they're gonna be running the same race as you. They're gonna be running at the same speed as you. You won't have to look backwards. You might have to chase them. You might have to catch up to them. So don't settle for like, oh, he, he says he's a Christian. Sometimes he goes to church. No, not good enough. Sorry, so great. I could go on forever about that, but let's move on. I want to say something, but go on. No, there's more. We still got to listen. Okay, hold on. Let me say this. Let me say this. Okay. No, we got to. Okay, I'm gonna say this really quick. I'm gonna say this really quick. You can still be. Everybody's heard this term, unequally yoked. Not everybody, but maybe you've heard that before. You can be unequally yoked with a Christian. Yeah. Like-minded. Because what's happened is we've created this idea that unequally yoked means you have a different belief system. No, no, no. There's plenty of unequal yokedness within the same belief system because of this issue you're running different races being yoked to something is who you are walking with who you are doing life with so you can be you can be yoked up to somebody who's not running the same they're going in a very different direction right maybe maybe you know that you know that you know that God is bringing you onto the mission field but then you go start dating a guy and want to get married who's supposed to be in supposed to be a lawyer in New York City yeah you may have the same belief system but you're unequally yoked and what's gonna happen is, is that when you decide to drop missions and go to New York so he can be a lawyer, all of a sudden you're gonna have bitterness and frustration in your marriage because you decided to yoke yourself with somebody who's not running the same race as you. Okay? So belief system, that's a whole actual different conversation. That's not even about being equally yoked. You guys aren't compatible in that space. So that's a totally different, does that make sense what I'm saying? So that, that'll change the game if we start thinking about it a little bit differently. We've made some of these answers just really like kind of just weird answers that don't make sense when like when we're talking about belief system, that shouldn't even be in the conversation. If you have different belief systems, conversation over. Should we ask that on the first date? Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you follow Jesus? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you love to worship him? Do you spend a quiet time with him every day? First date, yeah. Why spend any more time if you know that's not gonna happen? We do not flirt to convert, okay? Just a heads up. All right, next, next section. Oh, it's my turn now, thanks. Okay, go for it. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about sex and marriage and sex outside of marriage, if you can make it short. Okay. Um, how, <laughs> how do you navigate your spouse's expectations for sex when they differ from yours? And is there a biblical approach for a married couple to take when one spouse has a higher sex drive than the other so that none is led into temptation? It's hard. She can't keep her hands off me. So... Um... <laughs> <laughs> there was a time. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, it's really true though. There's, this is the issue, right? It's so often there, one of us is on board and the other one is off board and it's literally never the same time we're going for the same thing, right? Like you have, I had three children, that's enough. Like I'm done, <laughs> don't touch my body kind of thing. And he's like, just revving up. And I'm like, we're 40, when does this end, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> We have a lot of communication about this in our house because we never want it to become a point of tension, but we also go back to that mutual submission, right? And 1 Corinthians 7 talks about this. It says, a husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise a wife to her husband. A wife does not have the right over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband does not have the right over her, his own body. Does this mean you force sex? No, that, this is not what that is saying. But his wife does. Do not deprive one another except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together, otherwise Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not a command. So this is Paul talking. He's not saying this is a command. So if you're using it as one, you're in the wrong. It's a concession. It's the reality that, listen, I am contending for the health of your soul with us being actively engaged in sexual relations. Okay, like I am contending for you. And I realize that me leaving you high and dry for a long amount of time can lead you then to a place of temptation. So it is, a, it is spiritual warfare. Yeah. Sex is go. spiritual warfare. It is literally saying, no, you have no place here in this home. You have no place here over my husband. You have no place here over my wife. I will fulfill the needs of her encouragement. I will fulfill the needs of meeting her needs, which takes longer. I will fulfill the needs of, I will, I will do that. And as a wife, I will, my son is freaking out. As a wife, so I will fulfill That's your great. need. Now That's you so may need it every day. Well, guess what? I can't kind of, I might not be able to show up for that, but I understand and I will be there, you know? And we have to talk about it a lot. And it took, it's taken 18 years to just get comfortable with like, this is where I am, this is where you're at. This is me meeting you in the middle, but I don't really like like feeling like it's a duty. Well, sometimes it is a duty and you just gotta enjoy it. So just be quiet, okay? And that just, just. It's great. Yeah. So for the married couples, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, we're not making love, we're making warfare. So like, yes. let's go. Like, this is it great. It is. This is great. Spiritual I, that's warfare. a fantastic I, answer, babe. Three things. Sex yes. is not a reward. Yeah. No. Sex is not a demand. Mm-hmm. And sex is best shared in mutual vulnerability. Yeah. Okay. So this is where we're going to talk about the next question. Can you just say it real quick? How far is too far before no, marriage? No, the porn one. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I'm just giving you your opportunity to moderate for five seconds. Yeah, no problem. So what do you do when your spouse won't seek help for their porn addiction? So this is where if you have a porn addiction, as a woman, it's maybe a, really a, quiet a woman church. might have a yeah. porn addiction. Not saying that doesn't happen. Mostly it happens with men. If you have a porn addiction, your wife cannot enter in shared vulnerability in a bedroom space with you. So, frankly, I would have a very hard time continuing to keep that relationship available if you're not honoring our marriage covenant and you are lusting after other women. You have just broken marriage covenant. You have to realize this is not boys will be boys. That is a lie of the devil. 
That is not true. Let me add, let me add weight to this. Let me, let me just add weight to this. <laughs> Guys, this is, this is not just beatable, but we are more than conquerors. And we've got to stop allowing the lies of the enemy and the world's way of viewing things to shape our thought process as it's okay, it's just porn. It's not, okay? And this is a really big issue. And we, as a couple, you may be thinking to yourself right now, well, like Jason's a guy, he, like, guys, I, will, I kid you not on this, I am militant in this area. We are militant in this area. Like crazy about this because it's not just, it's, 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 it's multiple things. It's my marriage, it's my fathering, it's my leadership. Militant. And you have all those things. And so that's why this one. So when, when your spouse won't seek help for this issue, you need to pray, you need to push, you need to go to every length possible. You need to light phones on fire and computers on fire. And then you also have to realize that many ways there is a choice going on. Someone is making the decision to stay in the behavior that they are engaged in. Pray for humility to be encountered for them, to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit, and that's the one who convicts and challenges as well, okay? And this is possible. And we need to start talking this way in church because this is one of the things that's flowing underneath the radar because we've gone to privatized faith and the pastor or the people don't have anything to say about this thing. No, it impacts all of us. We have the ability and the space to talk about this thing. And one of the greatest issues that we're seeing in marriages right now is porn. Bottom line, it's porn. It is destroying our faith-based marriages. And we've got to take this space back from the enemy. Do you want one more? Okay, rapid fire, go. All right, one more question. So uh, all of these many questions can be summed up as how far is too far before marriage? Wrong question. <laughs> I'm serious. We have yep. literally six or eight questions about this question. Yep. Your question should change to how can I honor God in my dating relationship? Yeah. If that is not your question... You need to stop dating and go back to singleness and get content in singleness and honoring God with your life and figure out what does God say about what healthy dating looks like. Not how far is too far, because that question is already like, it's just, you're gonna fall off the cliff. There's just no way around it. Like you're not gonna go up to the edge and be like, see, look, I just teetered on the edge. Like this whole time I won. No, you're gonna fall over. Like it's just the reality, 99.9% .9 chance. 0.01 is like you died by not falling off the cliff, like before the cliff. <laughs> and just to hammer it out, okay, I'm gonna go really strong, really quick. Anything before marriage, anything before marriage, outside of the confines of marriage. Individually or together. Individually is considered what the Bible calls fornication. Sexual immorality outside of marriage. Okay, well, well what, and we got, we got questions on this. What about, uh, what about oral? What about hands? What about heavy petting? What about all these different things? Yes, we're talking about this in church because we need grand clarity because we always as humans go for the what about. Don't we? Well, what about, what about, what about, 
Okay, all of those things, your, your what about is trying to get to the very thing that should only be happening in marriage. Does that make sense? So it's a really big thing. And so, well, what about kissing and hugging and so on and so forth? Listen, here, here's the thing. When we start playing this what about, like, so if I'm, if I'm saying this to my son, I'd be like, listen, bro, okay, I know that more than likely you guys are gonna kiss. And listen, it's okay if you kiss, but you need to be very careful because if you're the type of person that kissing gets you aroused and the next thing in your mind is let's have sex, then don't kiss. That was our son. That was our son. (laughs) 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 Welcome to church. We're a family, okay? Okay, now, but don't go the opposite direction and be like, well, we can do all kinds of things and not be aroused. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because all those things are leading up to climax. All of those things are leading up to this very thing. And biologically speaking, okay, psychologically speaking and spiritually speaking, those issues, they they go together. The consummation of a marriage, that's what that is because it's a binding unit at the end of the day. So I know we're going hard. Some of you didn't get the spoiler alert, put your kids in kids ministry. Um, so fun conversations after church, but this is, a, this is a really big deal. So I would say like for me, for instance, like if she, <laughs> if she touches my leg like this, like right now it's doing nothing for her, okay? She's like, oh, he loves me. It if she touches to. my leg like that, I'm like, church dismissed. <laughs> It's Father's Day, okay? We won't test that theory. <laughs> <laughs> so, because, because <laughs> I just, we're trying to like, kind of like put it in a real space for us to, to understand. And so because of that, because of all those things, because I know my, myself, we've got to make sure that we protect certain things. So we've got we've to understand that. And remember, remember all of this in the vein of what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. This, this sexual uh, immorality issue, sexual engagement outside of marriage is a big deal. If you are single, if you are dating, like you've got to, the boundaries have got to be so tight and so high. And that's awesome because if and when you do get married, then it makes the expression of that thing beautiful, enjoyable, and God-honoring. Well, and did we do this well is one of the questions. And no, it was very hard. We didn't do it well all the time. Like, we tried. We really did. We, we put boundaries up. And then we, you know, and I would just say, like, if you're, like, at that place where you're going, man, I haven't done this well. I would just, again, go to God and be like, Lord, just heal that area, that need, that desire, that all of those things. Because it's like, we had to go back even in marriage and repent for certain things with different people or different moments, even with each other. And so I would just say like, there's no way that that stuff, it comes up in your marriage. It will, just period. And so I just wanna encourage you like, go back and go, God, how do I do my relationships in a way that is God honoring in everywhere? And where have I not done that? And will you help me heal from that? Will you help me uh, find healing and find repentance and do this right? so that I can honor you, so I can show my children what it's like to like be in a relationship where we're mutually submitted to each other so that they learn how to honor them, your, your body that you gave me, right? Romans 12, one is that this is the body and our body is God's and that it is a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him and that is true worship. When we can put this down and say, 
God, this body is to holy, to be holy and to please you. And that is my act of true worship. It's gonna be incredible. We're gonna take away this stupid divorce rate that's like 50% because we're willing to submit our bodies to God and in marriage to each other and honor each other and protect our minds and protect our hearts. And I am like contending and fighting for the protection of my 12 year old boy that he won't have to experience what every boy on this planet has seemingly experienced that by some miracle we can protect him. So good. Um, we could go on and on and on and on, and we have so many great questions that came in. So I would just encourage you all again, that if your specific question wasn't answered, or they said something today that prompted thought in your head, or started to wrestle in your heart, that you would just find uh, our pastors, any of the pastors on staff here, and work that out with them, or work it out with someone in your table group that you know and trust. Um, and I would just, can we just give our pastors a round of applause? Thank you. Uh, this moment is rare. And uh, we should really cherish the opportunity just to see the realness and rawness from our pastors because I think it's these types of conversations that are ultimately gonna change a generation. Um, you know, it, it's important to be talking about the why. It's important to be talking about what the Bible says about these things because to your point, we are in a world of spiritual warfare and we would be amiss to think that not every single one of you in this room in one way, shape or form or another are gonna deal with something that is relational, that is sexual, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you guys so much for taking the time. We love you, we appreciate you, fantastic. Thank you. Um, I wanna say, we don't know where it's gonna go in the second and third service. It's, it's kind of like from the, from the hip on some of this stuff. So I, I, I am actually being really serious about this. If you wanna come back to the second service, come back. If you wanna come back to the third service, um, come back. And so the, we're gonna go in all kinds of different places. The answers are gonna change and vary. So if, if you really are interested in just soaking in this all day, please, please come back to the service. But I wanna, wanna ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes really quickly. Um, you know, this this topic, these issues that we've been dealing with for the past couple weeks, um, it all points us back to the same place. And it's the management of our soul. Who's managing it? We, we talk in, in Peter, Peter talks about handing us over to, relinquishing our life to the shepherd and the overseer of our soul. And so my question to many of us in the room today, have you said yes to Jesus? And not just do you believe in Jesus, but have you relinquished the shepherding of your life to him? There's a lot of issues that have been brought up today, a lot of things that have been brought up today. And it first starts, the, the, the overcoming of these things first starts when we say, Jesus, you're in charge. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, no one moving around today, we're gonna pray a prayer together. And if there's anyone in this room today who would say, man, Jason, I haven't said yes to Jesus. I haven't relinquished control to Jesus. I haven't made him Lord of my life. Will you pray this prayer with us today? We're all gonna do it together so we don't leave anybody out. So come on, as loud as you can, would you repeat this after me? Would you say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me 
make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. Today, I am making you Lord of my life and leader of my life. In Jesus' name.